guys grab your keyboards and start trending we think of online propaganda or trolling as being sneaky and hidden but farhan verk approaches it in an unexpectedly open and straightforward way i am a common man fighting status quo farhan is a self-proclaimed twitter warrior for years he's used the platform to support imran khan starting back when khan was pakistan's opposition leader to now when he's become the country's prime minister i'm malika bilal and this is the take today we're pulling back the curtain on one of pakistan's most prominent citizen led propaganda machines it's not a perspective we often get to see but that's why we brought in hasham chima an investigative filmmaker who got a close up look at how farhan verk's team operates It is so good to have you here Hashim can you introduce yourself for our audience I'm Hashim Chimam I'm a Pakistani journalist and a filmmaker and uh, worked at Witness as the digital producer for the strand Witness is a documentary show on Al Jazeera English where Hashim's documentary about Farhan Verk eventually found its digital home Very often we see stories out of Pakistan that are very rigid that are catering to a certain narrative or a certain set of believes that people already hold about Pakistan. What I wanted to explore was the idea that Pakistan is a, is a young democracy and has a lot of young people who are beginning to use the internet and social media in a lot of different creative ways. And so I sort of felt that that's got to be three wonderful ingredients for a story. So you mentioned three wonderful ingredients and that brings me to your title which is fantastic war lies and hashtags and it's all about these so-called hashtag warriors in Pakistan in other places they might have different names hashtag merchants but what does this term mean well if you log into twitter in pakistan you'll be surprised at the number of hashtags of fake inorganic sort of hashtags floating around from all corners of the political spectrum like right now if you log onto twitter on your computer check out the right hand side you'll see what's trending after a few clicks you can zoom in specifically on what's trending in pakistan now the more divisive hashtags there hashim says were probably amplified in an inorganic way like by bots those are programmed accounts run by an algorithm or by people who set up several accounts under fake names and they aggressively retweet a hashtag and so as an avid social media user and someone who worked with facebook and twitter at his old job hashim grew curious about how those fake hashtags spread In Pakistan's context there's two kinds of hashtag warriors there's the leaders and then there's the followers the leaders sort of come up with which hashtags to trend and the followers help them trend those hashtags so really it's it's a very political thing the the term merchants implies that people are buying and selling mm-hmm. ideas and hashtags which which really wasn't the case uh, that I explored in Pakistan these were volunteers people who had political beliefs whose ammunition is hashtags you had it's kind of the unique experience of not just finding one of those leaders but also finding a leader that let you follow him and show you his work so tell us about farhan and how you met him well it really wasn't that difficult finding farhan work everyone who uses twitter in pakistan has heard of farhan work 
every time there's something that's super notorious or obnoxious that takes place on Twitter, people often say, oh, that probably is Farhan work. It all started with a fake account. The reason is that Farhan started off his Twitter pretending to be Dr. Abdul Qadir Khan, who's a Pakistani nuclear scientist. And then later on, he admitted that, yes, that fake account was actually him. Um, so everybody kind of attributes all sorts of fake accounts with Farhan Verk. Farhan Verk is also very well known when it comes to pro-government, pro-state propaganda. My tweets are read by 25 million people in a month. I mean, that's my highest record. But on average, 10 to 12 million people read my tweets every month. It sort of felt like even though everybody knew about him, nobody really knew him. And he wanted that outlet. He wanted somebody to kind of tell his story. And I was very happy to do that. How would you describe Farhan for an audience who hasn't yet seen your documentary? What's distinctive about him? Paint me a picture. Well, Farhan Verk is a qualified doctor, but his passion is social media. As in, he went to medical school? He went to medical school. Wow. And he is an MBBS doctor. Wow. But obviously, he decided not to carry on being a doctor. He was obviously more inclined towards social media. So he wakes up every morning, checks his phone. He's got no furniture in his house. He's just got a bed, a heater, and uh, a packet of cigarettes, his laptop, and um, his phone. And that really is all that he needs to, is, to survive, because inside his phone is his empire. So Farhan, in many ways, is kind of lonely. But in his world of Twitter, he's, he's extremely popular, and you know he's got a lot of sway. Thousands and thousands of people are listening to him, are trending his hashtags, are arguing with him and so on. He has over 250,000 followers on Twitter. Wow. He has two accounts, one with 50,000 followers and the other with 250,000. So there's always lots going on. And anyone who's been on Twitter knows that that's difficult to do. It is not easy to get that many followers, unless, of course, you pay for them. But it doesn't sound like that's what he's done here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Many of these followers might not be paid for, but a lot of these people have um, multiple accounts. And so they follow each other, they retweet each other. And in a way, it's sort of like an echo chamber. I want to talk more about his work and what his day looks like. But before we get too much deeper into that, I just want to give listeners a real sense of how important Twitter is to Farhan. And that comes up in a funny anecdote in your documentary. Tell us about his wedding gift. Oh, yeah. So, well, when he got married um, to his wife, Iram, he gave her a Twitter account with like over 200,000 followers. And as I was mentioning, you know, he's got the knack. He knows how Twitter works. He knows what his followers like. And so it's easy for him to build a new account. And, and I, I'd never heard of such a thing before where you gift someone a Twitter account. I mean, you just give them the password and there you go. They have a huge following. <laughs> it's sort of, it's just something I've never heard of before. And it's, it's, it's genius. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, you know, well, my wife, um, when she saw that sequence, she was just like, man, how many followers do you have? <laughs> what have you given me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so walk us through Farhan's average day. What does that look like? So in the documentary, we decided um, not to go too deep into the anatomy of how to trend a hashtag. Because even though it's not illegal, we just don't want people to really learn how to do it because it is a bit menacing. But I'm happy to, to explain, at least with Farhan, how his team operates and how they get to trend hashtags. So how this works is Farhan Verk is the leader of Team Imran Khan, or Team IK as they call themselves. 
This is a group of about 1,500 or so volunteers that Farhan has organized on WhatsApp, on numerous WhatsApp groups. And these volunteers are motivated by their politics. Their goal is to support Prime Minister Imran Khan and his political party, Pakistan Tariq Insaf, or PTI. So every morning he wakes up, he decides which hashtag they're going to trend that day. Oh, it's a hashtag. Uh, Imran files peace missile. Because he communicates that hashtag to his team, and then they all come up with graphics. So there's about a dozen or so graphic designers. There's other uh, people who are very good at writing captions and so on. So then they all come up with the content that they need to get that hashtag trending. So first I'll look for a social or political cause and figure out if I think it will gain traction publicly. Once that's done, I think about how I can use it in a way that aligns with and benefits my team's ideology. And then Farhan decides, okay, today at 7 p.m., we're going to start trending such and such hashtag. And at 7 o'clock, they all descend upon Twitter with that hashtag. And, you know, obviously, if a given number of people start tweeting the same hashtag over and over again, it sort of breaks the algorithm. It comes up into the trends panel and it shows up as a discussion that is taking place in that particular region. That is their way of influencing public opinion. And it works every time. It's shocking. Hashem says Farhan's team has been able to uniquely thrive in Pakistan because of its history of turbulent politics. In its 73 years of existence, Pakistan has had four major wars with its neighbors, three military coups, and has exiled or hung several prime ministers. Farhan's propaganda team cut through this political confusion by supporting Imran Khan, a former cricket star turned politician who was seen as an underdog for most of his career. And they built their ideology around his specific brand, a patriotism. Imran Khan came in with his populist sort of politics. And there was this huge sort of a wave that had to do with nation building, that had to do with nationalism. Their ideology, they say, is national interest. But that's a very broad term. It really is to protect and to defend their imagined idea of Pakistan's interests. And as far as political support matters, I only support the party whose activities protect the nation's interests. And I believe that is Imran Khan's PTI party. And the way they do it is is this like clear-cut, unapologetic, unhinged information war. War room. Farhan says he's inspired by Stephen K. Bannon. Steve Bannon, Alex Jones. I'm a pioneer. I'm an explorer. I'm a human and I'm coming. So even though he has nothing to do with the U.S. alt-right, he's inspired by that, by that model. What we see um, connects all these entities is, is the complete sort of no-holds-part approach. The most important thing I've learned from Alex Jones is that to hype up social media, you have to be at war with the mainstream media. And that is something that I feel social media has really promoted or sort of given life to. It's this idea that the more divisive your politics are, the more provocative you are, the more you're rewarded. How connected is Farhan to political officials? How connected is he to Prime Minister Imran Khan? Well, Imran Khan knows him by name. Wow. In fact, there's a photo on on Farhan's Twitter, uh, Facebook, 
where we can see Imran Khan giving Farhan Rick a certificate of appreciation. <laughs> he got disowned by the PTI official social media cell a few years ago, but he was much larger than the official social media cell anyway, because he was Farhan Rick. He had all these people following him. He was articulating people's sentiments back to them. And so he has all those connections in governments. In fact, while we were filming, he got a call from the then information minister who asked him to tweet a certain certain thing about a certain somebody. I can't speak too much about it. But he's friends with at least two other ministers, apart from the information minister. Another admin member of his team is very close with the military. And he gets calls from the military every now and then that, oh, we should, we should do a campaign about this. We should do a campaign about that. In his reporting, Hashim got to see exactly how these campaigns start and evolve. Because February 2019 was a tense time to be in Pakistan. Well, you see, when, when we were filming, Pakistan and India were really at the brink of an all-out war. India has launched airstrikes close to the border of Pakistan and Pakistan-administered Kashmir. We begin with breaking news this hour. Pakistan says it has shot down two Indian aircraft, which it claims were over Pakistani airspace. The Pakistani military also says its warplanes carried out airstrikes inside India. Pakistan has closed its airspace to all commercial traffic. and it's India also... says the Pakistani jets were forced to retreat by its own aircraft, but has not confirmed whether any of its planes were shot down. In the fog of war, when then there's not a lot of clarity as to what's really happening, any little piece of disinformation can hurt, can muddy the waters even more. And so that's what happened. His wife, Iram, she started this whole Twitter campaign where she started saying that... Some volunteers in Pakistan are going to uh, mix some poison in Indian <laughs> food. <laughs> she has got reports that Pakistani volunteers are mixing poison in Indian soldiers' food in Kashmir. And she started tagging Indian journalists, and she pretty much like trolled them with this information, which created a fair amount of panic in India. Breaking news that's coming in right now. The Pakistani army and the ISI yet again plan to harm Indian security forces. According to our sources, the Pakistani it came army to a point where on a, on a very huge Indian news network, they had a news report. Breaking news. We have reports that Pakistani volunteers are mixing poison in Indian soldiers' food. And, and she was sat there when she saw this news. She was laughing about it. <laughs> They're taking it as breaking news. She's like, oh, look, look at what I've done. And just so we're clear, was there any truth to that rumor about the poison being mixed in foods? Where was that information coming from? She just made that up. There was absolutely no truth to it. She literally just, she admitted to me that that is purely propaganda. So in in times like those, when, when, when there's heightened tensions between two nuclear armed countries, it is extremely troubling to have such unchecked social media accounts with such huge reaches to be spreading all sorts of wrong information, inaccurate and, and actually, you know, information that's intended to cause panic and cause harm. Did you see any instances of when this spreading of information, propaganda or lies or whatever it was, did it affect anyone offline? Well, yeah, I mean, people have lives offline and online, right? So when you target someone online, that is bound to trickle down into their, into their real lives. 
I spoke to Farhan Verg at length about his campaign against Kandil Baloch. She came from nowhere and she became Pakistan's social media superstar. Now, Kandil Baloch was a social media star in Pakistan. How I'm looking? Beautiful. Her sort of claim to fame was like really, she was very like sexually expressive, which goes against the grain in, in Pakistan's you know, conservative circles. This model is seen dancing, wearing nothing but just a bikini. So he started a whole campaign against her, saying um, you're a disgrace to Pakistan and so on. And after weeks and weeks of this, Kandil Baloch reached out to Farhan Verk saying, look, can you please stop this? Can you stop harassing me online? Because there's other people who are, you know, going much further than you and threatening her and so on. I have called you all here today because you have all seen the propaganda and the issues that I've been facing on social media and media in general. Sadly, weeks later, she was murdered by her brother in what we understand to be a case of honor killing. And when I asked Farhan about it, I was like, look, do you have any regrets um, on your campaign against Kandil Baloch? I mean, I was shocked at his answer. He said, my only regret is that I didn't do it earlier. I didn't do my campaign earlier so that she would never have made all those videos. Wow. And not just Kandil Baloch, there's journalists, mainstream journalists, who whenever they criticize the government or the army, he goes against them, attacks them. There's character assassination, saying things like hang such and such person. What are the consequences to trending and to getting fake news, as it's called, false information out there? Who's taking these Twitter warriors to tasks? Is it journalists? Is it activists? Is anyone doing that? Well, people try. Every now and then, there's uh, journalists who write about this. There's mainstream um, news anchors who talk about this. But nothing really happens. The sheer volume of these hashtag warriors it's, it's so high and they're so consistent that they outweigh anybody else who's trying to bring them to task. And especially when these, when these hashtag campaigns are pro-government, then there's really not a lot of incentive for the government to, to do something about them. And to be very honest, I'm not too sure if the government should really even be too involved with social media policing. That's a slippery slope, especially for countries like Pakistan. So what about Twitter itself? Have they responded? How have they acted? Well, for a long time, Twitter hasn't really had coherent, solid policies about fake hashtag trends. It was only quite recently that Twitter is now a policy that says, you know, inauthentic, inorganic hashtag trends violate their policy, which is why Farhan Verk recently has had his accounts permanently suspended by Twitter for violating their rules and policies, Mm. which spun Farhan out into a out of depression, he reached out to me saying, look, can you please sign this change.org petition to get my account reinstated? Something that, you know, I sort of dodged. He, he said that, look, on, on, on 2nd December, my Twitter account was banned permanently. The reason behind this suspension was a Dawn article published, grab your keyboard inside Pakistan's hashtag mills. The reporter behind this article was someone whom I considered a friend. When my account was suspended, I felt numb. I did not know what to do. It felt like a pile of bricks falling upon me one by one. I felt enraged. I wanted to go to a court for defamation, but since I am not one of those rich people... 
So though Farhan's account is suspended now, he could always start a new one. And of course, there are other people out there who are continuing to trend these hashtags. What do you think about the wider social implications of this and and what that means for warriors like Farhan and what that means then for Pakistan? It's quite the discomforting landscape, the way these social media warriors attack mainstream media, traditional methods of journalism. It only ends up increasing the polarization in our society. And uh, it's not good for our democracy because we lose that in, we lose that tolerance, we lose that space for the other point of view. And most of all, I feel that, you know, for any kind of divisive idea to work, you need to have an enemy. Whoever doesn't agree with them is an enemy. And um, I fear that, you know, it's going to take too long to undo this sort of hatred that we've all been learning on social media and all sorts of media. So I think that the real trouble is that we're going to need to undo this. It's just that that goal seems to be getting further and further away. And that's The Take. You can watch Hashem's documentary, War, Lies, and Hashtags, on Al Jazeera's website or YouTube page. It's part of the show Witness. We'll also link to it on our Twitter and Instagram pages at AJTheTake. This episode was produced by Priyanka Tilve, with me, Malika Bilal, Ney Alvarez, Alexandra Locke, Dina Kispe, and Amy Walters. Natalia Eldana is our engagement producer. Alex Roldan is our team sound designer. Stacey Samuel is The Take's executive producer, and Graylin Brashear is Al Jazeera's head of audio. Special thanks to Abdelaziz Gisfe. We'll be back. 